Welcome Woo! to Brain Candy Podcast. She's back. Croatian queen, Sarah Rice, back in the new world. That's Welcome. right. I should say, Dobrodan for my <laughs> Croatian friends. What does that friends. mean? That hello? Means, hello. Yeah. It's kind of like good day. Like, Dobrodan, Dobrodan, Dobrodan. <laughs> does everybody say it all the time? Yeah. You know, That's like, oh, so I, the first, as, as we got there, as soon as we arrived and you were taking an Uber, which by the way, Uber in other countries, that's fantastic. So easy to do. I didn't even know that. I guess I should yeah. have figured. And like half the price of the taxi. So there's some little insider info. Use oh Uber everywhere. Uh, but, you know, we were asking the uh, uh, cab driver, uh, you know, what are some words? We didn't even learn anything before we came here. Like, what do we need to know? And then, you know, they tell you, and then you just hope that they didn't teach you like, yeah. F your mother or something like yeah, that. Yeah. Right. And you're like, okay, I'm going to use this. And so like, <laughs> we'll see. It's like an and old so Croatian here, gag. Right. Right. I'm like, oh, what are we, what are we doing here? So uh, I heard a few people use it. I'm like, okay, we're good. We're good. So, and then How thank you? you is voila, voila. Voila. Okay. Yeah. Voila. voila. Um, how would you describe the general disposition of Croatians? Like this, this sort of collective stereotype of like what they're all about. You know how Thai people are smiley and nice. Yeah, uh, I would say, like, imagine Italians and if you mixed Italian and Russians, oh. if you took Italians like love, <laughs> like of like hospitality and like warmth and like uh, uh, appreciation of the land and the surroundings that they're on and like their desire to also like party and have a good time. And you mix that with like this very kind of almost like it's almost like like a, a masculinity like this this I was gonna say a sturdiness. A sturdiness. <laughs> a sturdiness. Yeah, to, I sense that. Yes. Mm -hmm. Then that fuck would that to me would be the Croatian personality type. That's nice. Yeah. It was nice like except that. on one island where we felt a lot of racism and there was a lot of <laughs> Towards graffiti. you? Towards, uh, uh, there was a lot towards of like people. Nazi, towards Jewish people oh. and towards black people and words and symbols that were so offensive and like, and then we were, um, you know, Eli paints his nails or I should say I paint Eli's nails and the... We were like getting an espresso as we were about to hop back on the boat. This is like a little boat tour we're on that stops at these little islands. And uh, in one of the coffee shops, one of the guys, who, like the guys who work there, like asked him, like, are you gay? And he's like, no, I just like to paint my nails. And he goes, you know, if you wear that, like we, we would beat you up for that. Like you, like we don't take any of that here. It was, and okay. it was so uncomfortable that then Eli went to the bathroom and they were, I was like, I felt it was bordering on unsafe just okay. in that moment. And for, sure. and it was, it was so different than what we had felt on the main la like land and in other bigger cities. It did not feel like right. that. Okay. But this one island did like feel like that. you were in the equivalent of like Alabama. Yeah. Just like one pocket of... Like on Hashtag this island, not all like, Alabamans. Right. Or Croatians. Right. But, well, yeah. yeah, like this, the culture in certain areas, I'm sure, can yeah. have more or less of that. Yeah. Wow. That, good to know. Yeah. That was that was the only time. But besides that, like, you know, felt... 
Well, we missed you. We were living vicariously through you. It looked so beautiful. Oh, I was very jealous. I gotta say, it like, looked so peaceful. It was, and you know, I was really nervous because a lot of those places that look so beautiful on Instagram, and you see all the pictures, you know, you get there, and it's like you know the the Trevi Fountain in Italy where somebody's taking photos at at 4 a.m. when nobody's there and it looks beautiful but then when you go at 2 p.m. it's insane and there's so many people holding their phone up you can't even enjoy it it just like yeah there aren't too many people humans just on earth yeah yeah but this I was happy to say was not like that that there were there were tiny little moments where there were you know some touristy things but there were enough beautiful places that we visited that felt very like exactly like the pictures looked and Eli and I went to you know one little island that was like one of our favorite little stops where he and I went skinny dipping in like a little cove and we're by ourselves for hours and that's it nice. was like magical that's really cool yeah. little blue lagoon or whatever they call totally. it totally yeah it was yeah. awesome so that's great all welcome all, home trip. 10 out of 10 i told sarah uh, my hellish summer continues. I've oh. had nothing but bad luck. My trip to Boston was canceled three hours or something before we were going. Um, and I can't believe that. How can they just do that? I know. And well, actually, that it doesn't make four, sense. Just over four hours, because if it had been four hours or fewer, then we would have been compensated more than just a refund. But they did oh. it. I think it was four hours and fifteen minutes or something. Oh, and I was like, that almost fuckers. feels intentional. They like waited yeah, until the I very last minute. Yeah, oh. but all you know, what do we say when things go sideways, kids? Maybe it's a gift. Yes. I, I said that to Lincoln, like about how I said to you too, like, hey, that plane might have crashed, Link. We might have been dead. Yeah, we have no idea what's on the other side of that quantum leap. So, yeah, sliding all doors, is man. Law. Sliding right. doors. I, I really do believe that. Happened? Yeah. You never know. Yeah. So, but I did get to go to the Belinda Carlisle concert in Ohio with two of my gays, and that was a hoot and holler. <laughs> Can you tell me who Belinda Carlisle is? She is the former lead singer of the Go-Go's. So oh, fun. you went on vacation and I heard her sing it. <laughs> um, <laughs> she, I just vacation. thought it was funny to take a four-hour road trip with Kelly and Todd, shout out to Kelly and Todd, and go see a singer I don't really care for. <laughs> <laughs> but if that's any indication of how, how I can become a fan in a matter of minutes yeah, at the concert, it would have been real fun at Beyonce with, with me because oh, I would have turned into a super fan and she I know it. you would have. I mean, I know. listen, it. Beyonce can, you can kick rocks. I mean, for real. I mean, she has some splaining to do. Seriously. I, I, I need a better explanation than technical difficulties. <laughs> it's, well, it, yeah, like Beyonce it's did the concert version of, I'm going through a tunnel. I can't hear you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> right. How rude. That's what that felt like. I was like, what? 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 Did she say It's not Okay. And like you pointed out, a lot of people book flights and it better be a good reason. And I'm not yeah. hearing one. 
Right. Anyway. Oh, I had my outfit picked out and everything. Oh, well. We're just going to have to do like a, I don't know. How do you, what do you do? What's the, what's the. Why like, how do we get over it? Yeah. I don't have a, I don't have a way. I know. I don't have, I was, I was like, oh, maybe we'll just like have a night where we like, you know, dress up in exactly what we're going to wear and we can just watch <laughs> that. But no, I'm too, I'm too mad. I'm too mad about it. Yeah. I'm hurt. I'm hurt. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, we're back. But in this, I do kind of feel like you asked for, this is how the universe works. Like, it, I don't know. It's always like a big old joke. The universe like loves, uh, uh, like. It's like the universe is like making like dad jokes up there, like oh yeah, you asked for that, you, you know? Adventure, so, huh? Right. Then the year Susie was like, I want a year of comedy. Com- it's going to be the year of comedy. That was like our pandemic year, and we yeah. always joke like, oh, we didn't know it was going to be a dark comedy. And then this year is like year of adventure, and you didn't mean like the adventure of having to put up with a bunch of things getting canceled and rescheduled. Like talk about an adventure. Yeah. I didn't mean that. No, I we didn't, didn't mean, mean that. that. We have to get really, really specific. God, I mean, but it is definitely an, has been an adventurous year for me. So, yeah. so far. Oh so, my God. E- even yeah. including... The adventures like, should not be to the ER. Please. <laughs> right. No, but like even me taking link fishing. I mean, oh, I didn't want to do that. I saw those pictures. That looked awesome, Suze. We had a great time. But like typically I would only do that if Adam were coming. But... He couldn't come, and Link really wanted to go, and I'm like, okay, and we had a really you, fun time. You looked real cute in those yeah. green boots. <laughs> those were That's necessary. It was like a goddamn bog. Right. I was like, this is not what I signed up for. But Not like when I, I wear I my rain that... boots in Los Angeles when it's just a drizzle. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, for me, the adventure really is just saying yes to more stuff that I would normally be like, I'm not doing that. Yeah, good. <laughs> so it's all good. Anyway, we're back in business and I have to, you know, get get you guys caught up on all of the sports I've become interested in. <laughs> it's never ending. Oh um, gosh, this is great. <laughs> Susie's gonna stop. go from like hating sports to then like I don't know, like signing up for like intramural leagues or like she's like right. gonna go back to school just so she could like be in like intramural, like collegiate sports. <laughs> It is true. You know how we always said that like going on the challenge is real lucky if you were a person who was super sporty like you in high school and competed and that kind of gets in your blood. And so, and there aren't a lot of opportunities to do that as an adult in a serious way. And so I didn't mean to, but we really did get to enjoy that feeling of like competition even in adulthood. So. I guess I do need to think of something to do with all this sports enthusiasm. I also am enthusiastic, by the way, about my ritual vitamins. <gasps> Susie, tell have tell you me. heard they have a new product? Yes, I got it. Me too, because why wouldn't I? Mm-hmm. You said it. I this, We're not getting any younger, on. right? Definitely not. Skin is changing. Uh, what is the name of it though? It has a name. What is like it? Like hydro magic? something. Yes, hydro skin magic powder dust yeah. vitamin. Look at how good we are at at <laughs> advertising. We're like, look, it's called something hydro. It's the blue bottle. It smells amazing. And when I say it smells amazing, I mean like I opened it's it up vanilla. and I was like, I'm like, what? 
How yeah. does vitamins even like get off smelling so amazing like this? Who gave you permission to smell so delicious? I'm going to eat this up. It hydrates your skin from the inside out. I don't know how it does it, but it's great. And I need all the skin help I can get as I get older because I got bad news for you. Goes to Christmas feature here. Skin does not get better. As you get yeah, older. Yeah, you see all those new filters that show you what you look like when you age? And then I'm like, oh my gosh, so much of that is just hydration that I just need to keep right. my skin moisturized and like fight those little wrinkles. Like, you know, yeah. everybody's beautiful and everything, but I love a but, little dewy skin. Yeah, everybody's beautiful and everything. So now I'm on the, the multivitamin that tastes like mint and doesn't make my stomach sick. The yeah. skin one that I can't remember the name of that's great. And the essential protein, because I'm in Arnold's Pump Club, as you know. Yeah. And yes. we are working out like crazy maniacs over here. So the um, protein is also vanilla, and it's vegan, like peas grown yeah, in... pea powder. Yeah. Yes. It's amazing. Once you try essential protein, you won't want it to go a day without it. Lucky for you, Ritual's offering our listeners 20% off during your first month. Visit ritual.com slash brain candy to start Ritual or add essential protein to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash brain candy for 20% off. Yes. You might not consider this a sport, but I watched the 30 for 30 on competitive eating. Oh, Eli's been ta- like really interested in this lately too, and just been like, "Have you heard I about this? Him doing you- it because he really is enthusiastic about food. Yeah, like he's passionate. Don't yeah. he doesn't need a, a new hobby to get <laughs> enthusiastic about. Like, let's stick to mountain biking. He's going to make me do be it better with for him. you. And no, you would not but rather help with him the tummy troubles. That. <laughs> right, he's Jewish. He's Jewish, Susie. I'm sorry. Yeah. You're right. The stomach issues okay. alone. I don't want to deal with that. <laughs> okay, well, yeah, because you're right. This documentary, let me tell you, it's not for the queasy, you know, as you no, might imagine. Oh, really? Gretchen, Ooh. my sister, had to stop watching it because she said she kept gagging. <laughs> well, I could imagine if you have, if you're... Somebody who, who like, is, like, empathetic to other people, you know, like, you see somebody and you have, like, the same, like, visceral reaction. Like, she sees all those all those hot dogs go down their throat. I can imagine her being like, nope, yes. Right. Totally it, what, that. It's messy. Like, it gets everywhere. It's really gross. So, oh. don't, I don't, I'm not saying you should watch it, but I am going to tell you why it's interesting. Okay. The, the film was set up as highlighting, obviously, Kobayashi the um japanese champion he says obviously <laughs> like we're all well versed in this <laughs> you know him though right from the i Coney do Island. i do yeah. i do nathan's uh competition but this is funny because the way i know him is not from i, I i'm using context clues to put it together but i've <laughs> old i've only heard somebody like teased and being like okay kobayashi or whatever like i've only heard it as like somebody's it's a slur yeah it's like, <laughs> <laughs> so i'm like putting it together here that maybe he's the winner of needing contest got it got it got it yeah, like before him, it was a joke contest. Like it was just silly on yeah. 4th of July at Nathan's, Nathan's Hot Dogs. right. On, uh, what is that? Coney Island. Coney Island. And um, But then he flew in from Japan and really lit the sport on fire because <laughs> he, you know, in Japan, they have more of a tradition of like competitive eating and like 
I guess they have like TV shows and you know, all that wacky game show stuff over there. And so he had been doing this for a while and he took it real seriously. And out of nowhere, he's eaten like dozens. And so then it becomes like really exciting. And the PR company that Nathan's had hired became like the third character of the documentary because you have Kobayashi and then we have um, his American counterpart, Joey Chestnut. Oh, yes. Joey Chestnut. (laughs) You know Joey, right? Yes. Okay. And And I feel like one of my favorite shows is Bob's Burgers. And I feel like they made their character, Jimmy Pesto, like a nod to like Joey Chestnut because it sounds so similar. Well, and I do enjoy that his last name is the food. It's something well, come you can't on. Uh, eat. Is it not <laughs> the best? So, Joey Chestnut sounds like the most made-up <laughs> name there ever was. That's like George Glass. It totally is. Like, somebody didn't it have totally a boyfriend is. on Christmas Eve and was like, I swear, <laughs> jo- Joey uh, Chestnut roasting on an open fire yeah right right you're so right you couldn't make it because of a fire i mean what (laughs) stop crying okay pardon my cough okay so then there those two are the competitors and then the third character of the doc is the sort of pr company that's using these people as you know ways to build interest in the hot dog company and I know I always compare everything to the challenge, okay? But But, it really is like that because these guys, this means the world to them. But this PR guy, he doesn't give a shit. He just wants (laughs) to sell Nathan's hot dogs. Right. And so he ended up really on purpose. He doesn't even see it. That's totally the same. The producers are like, we're just trying to sell more of these shows and advertising. And meanwhile, Wes is out there calling it America's fifth major sport. <laughs> right. And like people are training for it, taking right. like steroids, doing whatever. Oh, come on. Whatever it takes, well, uh, risking uh, uh, their life. The fact, or uh, this really shows you how dedicated they are. They're reading and learning puzzles. <laughs> Sarah, you're so right. Forget the athleticism. That's already given. They care about their image. They don't care. These guys learned how to do Sudoku, not just do more than just pronounce it, like actually complete a puzzle. That is exactly right. And speaks to the commitment. And that's how it is in this documentary. But the Barnum and Bailey guy who's like, you know, come one, come all, look at these guys. He created this narrative of america versus japan Uh uh-huh like he thinks it's rocky or some shit and kobayashi for a few years had been a hero because he had turned it into this amazing thing oh and now he's the enemy american yeah oh i I cried at the end sarah of a competitive eating documentary because kobayashi went crazy like he lost his marbles like for real for real yeah, because they, the the no. PR company made them sign contracts. Does this ring a bell? Oh, and yeah. And they were, they couldn't do any other <gasps> things on the oh. competitive eating circuit. They had to only do Nathan's ones. And these guys basically had the keys to their whole competitive eating careers, which I know sounds stupid. <laughs> right. But to these guys, it's their whole right. life. 
Right. So Kobayashi refused to like sign your the contract. Is that. And, then, and then when he refused to sign the contract, they wouldn't let him participate in the 4th of July event. And so he was in the crowd and he like went crazy and he stormed the stage and got arrested. Oh. Like they arrested him. Oh no. Can you believe yeah. all over yeah. hot dogs, Sarah? Oh man. Wow. The power of the wieners. I, for real, mm-hmm. I, I knew that wiener sandwiches were yeah. powerful, Yeah, but they are mm-hmm. truly life-changing for these guys. Although I, I just want to add one more thing, which is that yeah. the training that they do is hilarious. Like they do burping exercises. <laughs> I, I I did see, I feel like I saw a, like an MTV, like true life on this, like true life. I'm a competitive eater or something where there was a lot of work on like creating space in your stomach. Yes, but Sarah. Then all, yeah. Like you have to like ma- stretch your stomach out, mm-hmm. but and then, then move be able to like, around. yeah, like, like move. It's so weird. But, and you know how Kobayashi, if you can recall, both of them really are very thin and fit. Yes. Yeah. And Kobayashi says he doesn't even eat food until like three days before the competition that like his training up until then is about the speed. So he practices like the arm motions. Oh my stuff. God. <laughs> like well, dip okay. in the buns. Yeah. The that was the- going to be my question. Yeah. There, I, do you have to eat bun and hot dog together as one? No. You can do it separate, but you do have to consume both the bun and the dog. You do. And then Nathan started cracking down on water supply. (laughs) Yeah, because that feels like cheating. I'm telling you, one of the things that I, you know, I always say I'm good at everything, but like, I really am good at competitive eating. Well, yeah, because you have no tonsils too. I know. And I, and I proven it on the challenge. Like it's, it's yeah. really, so I just swallow things whole, which sounds disgusting and gross, but you know, it works. Well, no, I think so you'd I, be I a wonder. ringer in there. I know. I definitely, people are always like, how the hell does she eat so many of those so fast? I mean, did those, did, like, did you ever consider entering the sport? Um, you know, no, not so much, <laughs> Stop. but I was the most excited when there was an eating challenge on the challenge because yeah. it always felt like here's my time to shine. This baby. is your <laughs> go time. That's right. Well, that, so then yep. in that case, I mean, I know you talked about it. How the reason that you chose to run naked instead of eat the sheet cake was because of like the food sugar. issues of the sugar. Yeah, I knew physically that I couldn't eat that much cake. I knew I would vomit from that. You're more much. of a savory competitor. <laughs> yeah, actually, that's totally true. But like, you know, when you get to a place where you have like too much, if you even eat, like, I feel like if I eat a bag of, of Skittles, totally. it does that where my mouth just feels like, like it actually can't take that much. And then you want me to run the glucose level. It, just, it felt like that a sheet cake would be harmful to my health, but yeah, 52 d- grape leaves, which I, those dolmas, which I ate were fucking delicious that's like that was your dream appetizer exactly i'm like you just gave me an ingredient on the mesa platter which is my like desert island like last meal everything i want dish like yeah yeah i got i want this be like if they gave me bottomless chips at chili's correct yeah you kind of had my dream advantage there right 
And then I like, tried is... to like play it off. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, I mean, like, I could do that. Yeah, I'd be like delicious. <laughs> like a hustler. Meanwhile, I'm like, yes. <laughs> My dream is to wear nothing but honey love shapewear because it feels like a dream. Absolutely. Is that so is the comfy. perfect, perfect plain outfit. That is the truth. Yes. Their leggings are top notch. My number one faves of all time. Yes. They just kind of hold you in, make you feel so comfy, not restricted though. And then but they have all the right down. pockets and don't this is what they don't oh, lie they don't ride down. down. I have recently uh, uh, made a regretful, regrettable purchase of a knockoff pair of leggings that big mistake. Suze, when I and I wore them on the airplane, and what happened is the friction against the seat, like it made it so those that I had to spend a significant portion of my flight just pulling up my pants because they kept yeah hiking yes, them up, hiking them up. Mm-hmm. And did that happen with my Honey Love leggings? Absolutely not. Heck no, they got all those no. panels to hold it in place. That's not going anywhere. Yeah, little side you pocket to put to my cell phone that. in. It's got it all, and yeah. they have. Lots of shapewear. They have an amazing um, bra. They're like the compression on those babies holds my tummy in. It's great. Treat yourself to the best shapewear on the market and save twenty percent off at honeylove.com/braincandy and use our exclusive link to get twenty percent off. Honeylove.com/braincandy. Mm-hmm. Anyway, okay, it's enough about that. I'm sorry I went on too long about competitive eating. Oh, I um, a lot of what I wanted to talk about is like. I wanted, there are several debates for me. First of all, this is old news because you were away, but like, were you privy to the conversation about Vanna White's uh, salary over the last 18 years? No, I was not. I don't know why it just came out, but they they were talking about how she hasn't gotten a raise in 18 years. That's and, insane. Yeah. And she makes like, I forget what the number is. Let's say it's $3 million. And uh, Pat Sajak makes like twenty million or something crazy, and yeah. so people were having this big debate about like how men are always paid so much more than the women, even though like let's face it, neither of them have a very hard job. Right. It's whatever. Um, and so, what are your thoughts on that? Because like people were framing it as like uh, the glass ceiling type of argument. Mm-hmm. For me, I didn't see it that way because that just says you have a shitty agent. Yeah, I would, I would, I would like, agree with there that. There was no discussion about whether she had tried to get a raise. Yeah, and was that turned would down. be my question. Because right. that, so the, I think when this debate comes up of like uh, the glass ceiling or like with the the wage gap, Equal, all that, equity, yeah. There's <clears throat> always this like, well, are you know, women asking for a raise, but you kind of like have to zoom out and like, look at that as the, like what that says that we have societally or, or, you know, whatever, like trained women to either feel like they can't ask for what they're deserving of that. There's kind of that, well, you should just be happy that you have the position kind of attitude. Like you're, we can easily replace you kind of feeling and 
I think a lot of women experience that, especially in the world of like, I'm thinking about um, like the female sportscasters who are well, like on ESPN, all those things like I've heard interviews that they give where they have this feeling like there's somebody younger and prettier mm. who's coming along there. They, they, they don't ever replace the men. Those men are oh. like doing it until they're gray and have like a big old belly and like nobody cares. And looking at you, still... Terry Bradshaw. Yeah. <laughs> and these, the women are like, you know, they, so, so there's maybe this feeling of like, oh no, I don't want to rock the boat. We don't want to ask for anything okay. more. And, That's fair. And, but I hadn't it's thought a about bigger, that. There, it's it's a more systemic, like like bigger picture problem that. Yeah, I guess I would be more upset if I knew that she had attempted to right. get more money and they just said no, we'll replace you or something like that. Because as far as I know, they weren't even trying. Maybe they were. Right. Her agent sucks and was like, "Yeah, just take it and right. don't say anything." I don't know. Yeah, but. I do hate the thing where people are like, she'll be fine. She makes plenty for turning letters right. around when right. nobody says that about goddamn Pat Sajak. Yeah. What's he doing? And, and just because, you know, they kind of do the same thing to us in the challenge of like, well, you got just, they're fine. They want a challenge. Like, you know. That is so but true. Why is it, everything it, like the now challenge? Now I'm doing it. We're comparing everything. <laughs> but it's it, always true though. Just because something isn't the worst ever doesn't mean we should ignore the inequality and and unfairness of or like the the like what's going on right yeah and i don't know i just never hear the same sort of like he'll be fine comments like about men because right, they feel like, like they're they deserving deserve it. of it yeah 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 i hate it okay yeah. i just wanted to get your Ugh. feedback on that um okay do you want to talk oh let's talk about this so there's three parts to this the first is um one fun thing about having a kid is that like he wasn't alive for like stuff that feels very recent to me oh that's or a he really good point like, aware yeah. yeah. So like, I'll be referring to something and then I'll be like, wait, you don't really, you're not aware of this. Cause I wanted to talk to him about this book I was reading. Um, it's called the experience machine and it's about your brain and how your brain is really good at predicting things. And, um, and like filling in gaps of information and yeah, stuff like that. Yeah, totally. And one of the cool chapters included a section on the viral dress, the, the gold cream Black yes. and blue dress. I, was, I have a story about this. Okay. Later. Okay. And so, and so, um, I thought, I don't know what color he thinks the dress is. I don't know what Lincoln is. And so right. I asked him and he hadn't heard of it. So we did it and he's in the black and blue category. And uh -huh. so is Adam and I am in the gold and cream field. And so that, that matched with what I learned in the book, which is they found that people, the way you saw the dress depended on, you know, your experiences in life and assumptions you made about the photo. If you saw the photo and thought that it was lit with natural light, mm -hmm. um, like sunlight, mm -hmm. 
then you were more likely to see it as golden cream. And you're also more likely to have been a morning person. And those are exactly my experiences. And I know that Adam and Lincoln are night people. And I had Mm -hmm. asked them, what lighting do you think this dress was in? And they described, you know, like in a fitting room, like not natural light, uh, fluorescent light. Huh. And so I thought that was so interesting. And I also wanted to know, I assumed you're a blue and black. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. When you saw that dress, that's what color you you saw. Yeah. It really sure. isn't a I remarkable thing. Yeah. Because those serious. colors are not similar. I'm not going to save this story for the next episode. Oh, I know. I, I know about now. the murder. The attempt. He's the a freaking attempted murderer. That was the third part of what I was going to say. And then next day I see this headline. Like, what the fuck? What is happening? I'm like, okay, come on. What? What is wrong with him? What is wrong with him? This is like nobody should ever become famous for anything because <laughs> that they're probably happen. a murderer. Right. I mean, listen, if you had been on Ellen because right. of your dumb mother-in-law's dress, can't yeah. you just sit and be happy? Yeah. And stop beating I mean, up your wife? I mean... And what do you think, like, look at how the world reacted to a photo you took. You think we're going to be all quiet about the murder? Yeah. And he says... attempted murder? He says he didn't do it. He Mm. tortured that gal for 11 years. Yeah. They all say they didn't do it. I hope he rots in jail. And I think his wife should get a different dress. Yeah. And, a and go have husband. a great time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, they should get. She should find a new husband, and that mother-in-law should strap on that dress. Yeah. <laughs> Golly. Yeah, nuts. that was crazy. I did not see that coming. No. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Yeah. But but for real though, I still I know that you guys are right that it is a black and blue dress in real life. I'm trying to look but, for the picture of it right now. Yeah, cuz I need like when you're when you don't see that color, it is really scary that other people do. And I can't try to like change it. I can't get my eyes. Wow, no, I can't see anything but blue and black. And is it real dark in your head? And in real life, it, it is. In my head, it's almost like this is in a room that's lit with like fluorescent light, and then behind it is outdoors that's very bright, and so oh. it feels like this is indoor lighting that is. What was you know the how like are? Is it gold and white, or is it blue and black? No, it's black and blue. Oh, in real life. Yeah. I can't now. It's it's so. The more you look at it, the more it turns that color. Now it's yeah. just straight up like before. There was like maybe a little bit. It's just gotten darker <laughs> the more I look at it. 
I don't know. Okay, That's you know so how weird. like when that happened, scientists were all like, "Let me explain." And they were yeah. like real excited to finally have people oh, give a yeah. shit about their dumb <laughs> research. But how, if it's like so explainable and, you know, they they can tell you why it happens. How come it is such a rare this has never happened before in that kind of severe extremely different coloring. It's not like different shades of red or something. White is nothing like black. Yeah. And so, like, like, why is this such an unusual thing to happen? I think there was something more about... We have different examples of this all the time. You Like, you know, there's that ballerina that turns one way and then turns the other way, depending on how you look at it or whatever it is. But we kind of can choose to see it both ways. You know, like, we can flip yeah. it in our brain if we try hard enough. Yeah, that's true. And this is like, I cannot see black and blue. Wow, that is so crazy. Yeah, I think because maybe it is that that however that wiring is, it's so uh, real that you have to almost defend it more and then therefore like share it more. Like the the Mm -hmm. virality, is that the word? Like how viral it went. That is the thing that... Like maybe we were just, it, the timing of that was just perfect. People were looking for That's something, true. you know. It was very much I, in like the Facebook, Twitter, hey, yeah, hey. yeah. You know, wow. if, if it, I would, I always think, I often think like, do these viral moments line up with things that are happening like culturally or, or politically things like that. Mm. Like, is this like a voting year? And everybody was just like really big on like, this is my decision, but they like, it was just like yeah. pre like pandemic <laughs> right. or Trump before like people like felt like they this could is a simpler say, like, this is simpler times. Yeah. And so like that, we just had to like be really this really side or that side about something else. Yeah. Something like that. Never um, know. here's some old gossip. Ooh, this is love old gossip. <laughs> Let's play the theme song. We haven't played that in a while. Old celebrity stories. Classic drama at its best. No need to wait for entertainment updates. This is gossip from the vintage press. We have the whole story. Let's take a look at those facts. Addicted to drama and you just can't stop it. Well, you better listen to old gossip. So, I also watched the Bruce Lee 30 for 30. Oh. And that I was a little slow, but here's what was interesting. Um, what a guy, huh? That guy, like, yeah. he, I couldn't believe how good he was. Like, amazing. <laughs> it's all, like, new to me. And but, was, is it him or his son who died? His via, son. His son. That is such a sad story. Yeah. On The Crow. Yeah. The set of The Crow. Remember Dwight's favorite movie? Yes. The I'll Crow. Never forget. Right. Crow. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Oh. So Bruce Lee, he died at like 32. Officially, what happened was that he had had a really bad migraine. He took um, 
medicine and had an allergic reaction. His brain oh, swelled geez. and then he died. Okay. Oh, so that's, that's terrible. not like, it's so terrible. But what is even more bizarre is the reason that he had these migraines is because he removed his sweat glands under his armpit because they didn't look good on camera. What? Uh, what? He thought the sweat under his arms did not look good oh. on camera. So had he his sweat them? glands removed surgically. Yeah. So then his body couldn't sweat to cool down. And it, it so then he would build, get it builds these, up of toxicity of like toxins. And he would I best, overheat. Yeah. <gasps> so he would have like hypoth- hyperthermia and then get a migraine, and then that's oh why God. he took the medicine. Isn't that unbelievable? Okay, the people who are getting Botox in their armpits so that they don't sweat should definitely not well, do that. Well, they're probably not doing the kind of workouts Bruce was doing. That's probably true. But, I mean, still, like, you that's do need crazy. to sweat. Yeah, who knew? Like, t- that's one of those weird things where, like, you change one thing and it has, like, the cascading effects of, like, oh, God. Exactly. Anyway... Like he was incredible, such an interesting life and it's so sad that he passed so early. And then it's so sad what happened to his son, as you pointed out on the set of the crow. But that reminds me, we have an interview for this episode with Rain Wilson, who played Dwight Schrute on The Office. Wait, wait, what? Yeah. I interviewed Rain Wilson for this show, Break Any Podcast. (laughs) Yes. Remember in the live we were doing, I talked about how like he had a book come out called Soul Boom. Yeah. But like, I was like, thought we were like shooting the shit. Like, yeah, maybe we'll get him. Like, like how we like talk about that. Like, not like we like actually get these people. Yes. He said yes. Wasn't that nice? (sighs) My heart rate just went way, way up. (laughs) My God, Sarah. Oh, I'm fangirling. For something well, that's you been should. pre-recorded. You should be fangirling because what a sweet, kind, <sighs> generous person he was to me. It was really nice. This is the uh, best news. Because I, you know how when somebody's that well, you kind are of famous. You're, 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 you know, you're like samesies. Like. <laughs> well, Sarah's referring to the fact that she and I took a personality test mm-hmm. and it independently gave me, like, of each other, like, <laughs> like she took it, I took it. We were not taking it together or anything like that. Uh huh. And it gives you like a TV character that you're like, and, and she got Michael Scott from the office and I got Dwight Schrute. <laughs> <laughs> and at the time I was like, how am I like Dwight? But I totally am. Yeah. And like very you know, <laughs> abrasive and like follows the rules and gets mad at people for not good reasons. Yes. Like, but Sarah! anyway, <laughs> Sarah, like, Michael. So he wrote a book called soul boom. Amazing. And it's about what he, he believes that we need a spiritual revolution and that is compelling to me is why does Rain Wilson think this world needs a spiritual revolution? And so he just lays out the ways in which our society is uh, in crisis. There's a mental health crisis. There's a loneliness crisis. Yes. Oh. Deaths of despair are on the rise. Communities are pretty much non-existent. Mm-hmm. And he argues that 
the thing that we're missing is, you know, a soul awakening and connection with each other. And I think he's a fun messenger for that because maybe people will be inclined to listen. He has a show where he goes, I think it's on Peacock and he goes and, um, seeks happiness sort of in the way that like Phil Rosenthal shows about food. Rain is looking to see what makes people happy around the world. I love this. Yeah. And I think he would say that part of the reason why he's passionate about it is because he does struggle with depression and he does have anxiety and that this has been a salve for him and has been good for his soul. And he thinks a lot of people are like him. And I think he's right. Mm-hmm. And so that's what we talked about. So if you're looking to hear like behind the scenes oh, about The Office, this ain't it. But it's better. You hear, it is better because it's about stuff we all need. Yes. And don't lie, you, you we all need it. So yeah. I think you'll enjoy it. And I have to say that this was recorded before the SAG after strike. Oh, so God. he didn't violate... Um, the strike, which pre, pre prohibits people from doing these kinds of interviews. Mm-hmm. So I just want to make that clear that this was done before that. Um, but so anyway, amazing. people should check out wait. Soul Boom because he has a really interesting religious history. He's a part of the Baha'i faith, which you can read all about in his book and why he's still a believer and why that tradition speaks to him. But this book is for everybody. It's not for it's like he's not proselytizing or trying to convert people or something like that. This is about why everybody should find a path that speaks to their soul. Yes. Anyway, let me see. I guess that's all for now. I have so much to talk to you about because you've been gone so long. So I guess I'll just have to save it all for yeah later. Episodes. But I'm so glad you're home and happy to be home. And I'm so excited for this interview. <laughs> As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Welcome to the show, Rain Wilson. Rain Wilson, welcome to the Brain Candy Podcast. I'm so honored. I mean, it's not every day I get to talk about religion with a guy like you. Um, wow. Uh, that's, that's quite the intro. I'm, I'm honored. I'm honored to be in brain candy, although maybe soul (laughs) candy, soul candy might work a little better for our conversation. Right. Well, maybe that's what the candy is, is like soul. It's like a bait and switch. Ah, You know what I mean? Okay. Well, because don't you feel like you're, you're kind of on this mission to have people talking about stuff that actually matters. And I feel like in my experience, People sometimes resist it. Do you notice this or are people open to it with you? Yeah, I mean, the ultimate point of the book is not to convince anyone of anything, but to start a conversation, which is Mm. um, especially around spiritual topics, because we just culturally very rarely do. And there is a great deal of avoidance. There's a great deal of denial. Um, You know, I have a chapter on death, you know, death and how to live it. And how death frames life and death is something that should be explored and considered and excavated and and shared about. 
because because not because it makes us all depressed and sad and blah 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 boohoo but because it it again frames life and um can revitalize us in a lot of ways and culturally um we just don't talk about it that's just one example do you think the reason though is because there's a fear there or just that idea of not in polite company it makes people feel a little uncomfortable or that you might be persuading them about something Right. So there's all of that. Yeah. Um, one of the issues with death is we live in a very polarized uh, society right now that is uh, uh, split down party lines. And a lot of the political right are Christian. And a lot of the fundamentalist Christians believe in heaven and hell. And so conversations about death have had a lot to do with like, are you going to be saved or are you going to burn in hell for all eternity? So <laughs> that kind of puts a damper on the old discussion about death. So putting that aside, because that is a, um, a kind of what I would call, um, uh, you know, religious uh, trauma, really, yeah. that we've undergone. Um, but nonetheless, death and our journeys through life and what potentially happens to us is part of the human conversation that's been around for hundreds of thousands of years. In fact, the earliest evidence uh, that humans believed in something beyond the material goes back hundreds of thousands of years in burial sites where uh, people were buried with swords, with <laughs> dogs, with sleds, with you know all the accoutrements that they would that they would potentially need to continue <laughs> right. their journey. Uh, so we've been engaged in this. So we have to look. Uh, we have to kind of set aside the kind of hyper partisanship uh, and fundamentalism of the last fifty to hundred years and kind of engage in a much larger, deeper conversation. Well, that's no small thing for sure. And people are resistant to it. Although I think there is common ground, at least insofar as everyone sort of agrees that things aren't going great. Like people are depressed, they're struggling. There isn't that joy that you talk about in the book. And so maybe that's the inroad is like, hey, good news. It doesn't have to be like this, right? Well, what I... I... So this was my COVID project and I spent right. three years kind of pouring my heart and soul into this book. And I had no idea if people were going to respond. I had no idea if, if people were going to jibe with it or, or like it, or, you know, if atheists were going to hate me or if, you know, Christians were going to hate me or, uh, or whatever. And I've been very gratified on a number of different levels because speaking to exactly what your question was, I think as kind of, um, what I would call materialist secular liberalism has right. kind of been crumbling a little bit around the planet and it hasn't exactly been working out. Not to say that we couldn't return to some kind of far more democratic, uh, you know, evolved uh, political system, but people are much more open to other ideas now than they were five or 10 years ago. Hmm. And even some spiritual ideas. And I've had very positive uh, feedback from people that are atheists and agnostic as well as born again Christian to be saying, hey, maybe some of these fundamentals of spirituality like compassion and community are some concepts we should be having um, deeper conversations around. That's what baffles me though about the human condition. Because you talk about in the book how joy and peace and transcendence can come from connecting and being of service 
but we all screw it up all the time and then continue to be selfish. So it feels like exercise where nobody wants to do it because it's hard. But then when we do, it's it pays off. But like it's so daily. Yeah, it is. It's it's the most ancient spiritual struggle. And if you go back to the most ancient spiritual writings like the 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 Vedanta, the Vedas and Upanishads and um it's the human struggle against our own ego. You know, that's what it is. And ego is is strong and it ain't going anywhere and it's it is constant because it's our insistent animal self that wants pleasure and wants status and wants power and wants security in a very insecure world hmm. and um and you know being vulnerable and giving and sharing and building community those are hard tasks that sometimes run contrary to self-interest so what what do we harness ourselves to to be more altruistic to be less self-centered and more other centered and this is part of the ancient spiritual conversation so you're engaged in this all the time and talking about soul boom and on your show look geography of bliss all that jazz so this is just your daily practice are you getting better at it is there progress hope that some of us can improve or is it like you still feel the same (laughs) it's every day well you know i try and i try and be very clear in this book like i'm not some kind of guru. I'm not some wise dude. I'm certainly not any Dalai Lama, but I'm also not any Eckhart Tolle. I'm, I'm, I'm not even in Oprah territory. I'm just someone who's very spiritually curious. Mm. That being said, as I have sought to walk this path over the years, I have found my life getting better. Maybe it's just because I'm getting older and I Mm. just, you know, have relaxed a little bit more, but I feel myself more surrendered. I feel myself more at peace when there are um, vicissitudes that come my way. Um, I'm more able to let them roll off my back. Uh, And uh, I feel like I have a more inclusive, transcendent perspective on the meaning and journey of life. Me personally, it has worked. It's been a it's been a long road, but I'm not any kind of perfect example at all whatsoever. Do you feel like having been a person in the public eye and feeling people, you know, you're a symbol to them of joy and maybe escape and and maybe that connection. So when they see your face, they see that. Do you feel like that has been helpful or it can cause you to sort of chase the wind and go down the trappings of like the Hollywood, you know, razzle dazzle. Well, the Hollywood razzle dazzle um, was definitely something I was swept up in in the early years of the office in a way that was really detrimental to my well being. Um, I got uh, great fame late in life. I had been acting for a long, 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 long time. And Dwight took off when I was about 39, 40 years old. And uh, all of a sudden, I was being offered movies and development deals and big contracts and stuff, but they weren't really working out very well. The movies I did didn't do very well at the box office. And I found myself 
living in the, um, in kind of a deprivation mode of like, I want more. How come mm. I can't have more? And my ego got very big. You can ask my wife. And I had a lot of struggles in those years. You know, I had a lot of struggles and it's taken me a while to kind of really unpack what happened. So now, um, I seek to, um, engage in spiritual, deep, meaningful, spiritual conversations with people, especially young people, you know, Gen Z and millennials that could really use and benefit from spirituality during this mental health crisis. And because we're so polarized as a society between left and right, spirituality, I say like the spiritual baby has been thrown out with the religious bathwater. There's a lot of great truth in spiritual traditions. Um, and solace and wisdom that we could all benefit from that would make our lives better, but we've, we've chucked it out. So I'm trying to use mm -hmm. my platform as Dwight. Oh, you know, that's the central question at the beginning of the book. Why in the hell is the guy who played Dwight writing a book on spirituality? And one of the reasons is because we need these tools and young people could really benefit from them. Yeah. And if, I felt like you touched on something that irks me, which is that when they threw out the religious baby with the the spiritual baby yeah, with the yeah, religious, the religious bathwater. Bathwater. yeah yeah they they embraced this idea of self care um and i read this tweet one time that said that's enough self care let's care for someone else nice cuz i feel like that is sort of the secret is that it's that weird counterintuitive idea that the more you give the more you get back but i don't know man i don't see it all the time no, we need to, self-care is a good place to start. I think that tweet is perfectly said because we don't want to eliminate self-care. For a lot of people, they're struggling so much and suffering so much that they don't have the self-esteem to take care of themselves. So a lot of self-care has to do with like, I'm precious and I'm important and beautiful and I deserve mm. some, just some of my own love, you know, and we start with that and then once that begins, then we can spread that and we can share that. But you're absolutely right. Um, again, it's being moving from being self-centered to being other-centered. And um, we've, we've got a lot of work to do. But there are, you know, when you study positive psychology, you see the benefits of there are mental health benefits to being of service to someone else. It actually increases your happiness and your, and your well-being. Um, is that... And if maybe that's where we need to start doing it, like, oh, I've heard helping other people will make me feel better. Sure. And you, and you start, let that be the way to begin and then <laughs> see how it develops and unfolds because you do ultimately fall in love with it. And the subtitle of your book, uh, Soul Boom, Why We Need a Spiritual Revolution. What is a spiritual revolution to you? What does that look like? Well, what I see happening in a public discourse is uh, a lot of uh, partisan heavy debate uh, that is seeking increased legislation and representation in Washington, D.C. to fix our problems. But at, the, at a core level, our systems are imbalanced because they're based on the worst principles of humanity. They're based on avarice and, and lust and self-aggrandizement and uh, aggression and what I would call hyper-individualism. Mm -hmm. And 
as long as our systems, any system, agriculture, education, healthcare, certainly politics, as long as our systems are based on that modality, you know, uh, on that dynamic, it doesn't matter what laws you pass in Washington, D.C., you're, you're putting Band-Aids on a, on a cancer. So the spiritual revolution is a, like, let's take a giant step back. And I literally have a chapter at the end of the book where I have aliens kind of talking about the problems on planet Earth as they're observing planet Earth. Like, <laughs> what would aliens say about us humans? Because that's the kind of viewpoint we need to take a step back, you know, 20,000 miles away from planet Earth and be like, how are we doing everything? You know, we can't pass laws to limit CO2 emissions if we're so filled with avarice and we want comfort at all costs and we just want to buy everything from Amazon with one click and, and increase our profits year by year nonstop. Like that, those two things don't work together. That, that, that's sorry, it, it, that, that doesn't work. It's unsustainable. So a spiritual revolution is kind of re-examining the foundation of how we do pretty much everything. Mm. And sort of um, dismantling the values and sort of goals of yeah. society. That's not, a, yeah. that's not a small job. It's not a small job. It's a huge job. Um, but you know, it's happening whether we like it or not. I, I have a section in the mm -hmm. book where I talk about, um, the two, the twin forces at work in the world today, um, disintegration and integration. So we see, you know, in, in climate change activism, in the Me Too movement, in Black Lives Matter, we see some really positive forces for, for justice that kind of started at a grassroots level. And those are forces of integration. And we can lean into those, to the positive aspects of those at least. Um, and then there are great forces of disintegration happening at the same time. So there's a lot of convolution. I don't know if that's even a word, but that's what's going on in the world right now. It can be very confusing, but we need to focus on the integration, the precious points of unity that we can find together and work on together. During the process of writing or even promoting this book, did you, were there, were there any areas of feedback that caused you to change your mind? Because one thing that really struck me was your certainty, because that's what I lack. The more I studied religion, the less certain I became. It was sort of a house of cards. And so I was jealous of what I perceived to be your like confidence and certainty about your worldview. But does that is that accurate? Or do you continue to update your point of view? That's a great question. You know, it really has to do with um, decades of work and a lot of suffering. Um, and I underwent a lot of mental health crisis crises myself, uh, especially in my 20s. Um, and there are things I have to keep focused on, uh, anxiety and depression among them. So there are things that I am as certain of that uh, – as certain as I am that I have a body and I have consciousness. I am absolutely certain that there is a God, that there is a, a higher power. I have a chapter in the book called the notorious God, um, kind of re exploding the concept of God and, you know, re-examining it in some, uh, in some fun, interactive ways. Um, I absolutely know that there is a, a gigantic force toward creativity and good, um, 
that is manifested in nature and in beauty and in art and in love, mm-hmm. um, that I know a hundred percent. Um, so I'm going to, I'm going to start with that and try and harness myself to the will of that force to the light of that force. I, I'm just kind of pegged myself as my, my inner new age hippie, but it's true. Um, uh, other things I struggle with, you know, and, uh, and I have a lot of, uh, back and forth and up and down, but, but it took me, you know, it took me a couple decades to kind of come to that realization. Would you say most people are receptive to your message or do you get some pushback? Well, I get pushback from both political left and political right. So, which I know I'm doing something right. So I, you know, the political left is like, oh my God, last thing we need is more talk about God and spirituality and religion. And then from the political right, it's, you know, it can be very fundamentalist in its, in Mm -hmm. its viewpoint and its outlook and say, this is, this is, this is a dangerous devil's game here where, you know, you're talking about, you know, uh, Hinduism and Buddhism and truths from Islam and, and Sikhism and, and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but that being said, uh, people have been embracing it as the world continues to deteriorate. And as our systems mm-hmm. continue to be ineffective and unsustainable, I think people more and more are going to look for alternative paths and alternative remedies. And one of the most basic paths is we just have to love each other more. And we have to really have a deep, deep compassion for uh, human suffering. Don't you feel like with your book and with your series that because you're looking for those connections, that joy, the meaning, transcendence, then you see it? Yeah. If you think it doesn't isn't there, then you might miss it. I heard a great analogy once. When you're going to shop for a car and let's say you go into like a Hyundai dealership and you've never been in a Hyundai dealership before and you go look at the Hyundai Elantra or whatever, some car and you're like, oh, this is kind of, and you test drive it and you think about it and like, I'm not quite so sure. Then when you go and you're just driving around, you see Hyundai Elantras <laughs> like going by all the They're time everywhere. and you never saw them before. Right. So you're absolutely right. And that's a very astute observation that when we focus on love, connection, meaning, hope, and we meditate on those things and we put our life's focus toward those things, we see them more and more. We cultivate it more and more in ourselves. It is like going to the gym. It's like we're exercising muscles that we didn't know existed. And then we, we gain an increased consciousness about those muscles and those Hyundais as I just wove those two metaphors together (laughs) effortlessly. You're welcome. You, you describe your routine and how you maintain your focus and your, I don't know, spiritual life. Do you find it to be drudgery, laborious? Oh, I got to do that. Or is it something you look forward to? Um, it just like going to the gym. Um, when I do my morning meditation, there's many days when I'm like, ugh. God, um, this is the last thing I want to do. Um, but I, I try and keep it really simple. Uh, you know, even if it's five or 10 minutes of just sitting quietly and watching the hummingbirds, you know, buzzing around my garden, then that that's enough. And it's a good place to start. And, um, and it, uh, it does indeed, um, 
it makes my day better. You know, right. it, it makes my day when I meditate, when I exercise, even if I do like a cold plunge or something like that, like my day gets 10, 15, 20% better. So, um, at this point I'm pretty disciplined about it. Yeah. It's routinized. Um, cause I need it. Cause I need it, Susie. <laughs> Don't we all? It's yeah. the human condition. And that's why you're always going to have more work to do because we are our own worst enemies so much of the time. Indeed. But what I love about you is that you just, you could have just watched Tiger King and baked bread like the rest of us, but you didn't, you were useful <laughs> and you did something that helps people. And that's remarkable. We have, well, go ahead. Sorry. Thanks. Thanks for saying it. But I do want to, I do want to say like, uh, it also to me, like, this is really important. This is not like a hobby, like, oh, Rain Wilson likes various religions and reading about Hinduism right. and wants to share some of his learnings along the way. Like humanity needs this message. You know, I am an imperfect messenger and I don't know if I've said anything right, but we need to be talking about this stuff. This mental health crisis, our political crisis, our, our global climate crisis, our human crisis with 8 billion of us on the planet. Um, we, we just need this message. It's, it, it, it couldn't be more important to me. Mm. Well, I'm really appreciate that you did it. And I'm appreciative that you came on the show. We have one last question we ask everybody, which is that if you happen to have a vehicle, what do you keep in the trunk of your car? Besides the bodies or <laughs> that? Yeah. Do you fit anything else in there or? Uh, I have a vehicle right now. Here's the only thing in the trunk of my car, my tennis gear. Cause I've been playing a lot of tennis. Are so, you good? I mean, that's, I'm pretty good. Are I'm pretty you? good. Yeah. Yeah. Is there anything you can't do? Yes. There's a lot. I can't fix anything. I uh, wouldn't know how to install a shelf. Um, I don't know how to handy. do. I'm not handy okay. in the slightest. And, um, I don't know how to cook at all. I couldn't cook. I think I can do noodles and toast. That's about it. Scrambled eggs. All right. Well, that's heartening because I was starting to feel, you know, Renaissance man over there. But I'm grateful that you're doing the work that you're doing. And people should know, even though it is heady stuff, it's a hoot too. And it's, it's funny. I'm, yeah. I'm, I try and make it a little funny and entertaining um, uh, and a little more palatable that way. Yeah, it's accessible. It's not intimidating and it's relatable. And everybody will get something out of it. And that's pretty cool. Uh, thank you so much. Thank um, you. What a delight speaking with you. Likewise. And you're friends with my buddy Reza. So if you talk to him, tell him I said hi. He's I the will sweetest. indeed. I love that guy. He's, he's awesome. He he's is. doing the Lord's work over there. But thank you for coming on Brain Candy. We love you and keep up the good work. Thank you so much for having me. What a pleasure. Thank you, Rain. Have a great day. Bye.